Hey guys, it's Nate. Um, before we launch into today's show, um, which is, I think, a great episode and really fun and funny, just on a somber note, um, we recorded this on Monday and we ended up talking through the natural course of conversation a little bit about Pop Smoke and uh, in the blink of an eye before we could um, release the episode, um, he was actually killed and it's very unfortunate and I just kind of wanted to give a little heads up um, that we discuss him in the present tense and we talked about his potential and his future and um, that's not something that's going to occur now so it's it's a very sad situation um, we hope that he rests peacefully and that his family and friends um, can find a sense of closure in this senseless death and uh, yeah I just wanted to I felt like I needed to say something I didn't edit that part out I just um, we left it in but I just wanted to note that um, we're aware that it's going to sound a little weird. So heads up on that. And now for the show. For dead fucking presidents to represent me on President's Day. So you guys doing? Well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys buy a mattress or anything? Or no? Look, looked at a lot of shoes. <laughs> okay. It's okay. not over yet. I think I have till midnight to get some of these sales. I was just angry. I had to be at work. So. <laughs> little little kids had it off and shit. Yeah, Goddamn totally. capitalism. <laughs> That's how uh, Mallard C. Fillmore would have wanted it. Um, <laughs> so we are the Dead Bod Rap Pod. Three dudes who talk an awful lot about rap. My name is Damone Carter, aka Dim One. I am joined here by Big Bad, Mr. Plaid, Nate LeBlanc. How's it going? Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm doing good. Good. Um, and also in the kitchen, we have my president isn't black, but all my T-shirts are <laughs> Mr. Dave Ma. <laughs> my president is orange. <laughs> I know. I'm definitely not wearing any orange or white T-shirts anymore. No? <laughs> no? You've got that triple X uh, high PT. Did you, you guys see the uh, photo? It's kind of now an iconic photo of uh, Trump with his hair blowing back, like yeah. maybe from the, course, the helicopter. Yeah. He tweeted it and, and then, saying that it was fake. It's like, come on. Yeah, it yeah. is. That's our point. <laughs> yeah. That's right. how you look, dog. Right. You look right. fake. Right. You look like that, dog. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Speaking of weird photo things, did you guys see the thing where the guy Pop Smoke got like hella irritated with the fan who just posted like a picture of him? Yes. Like it's like yes. literally his right. picture, and he's right. like, "Take that shit down, dog." And the and the kid is like, "This <laughs> is what you look like." Right. Down. Totally. Totally. That's amazing. Come on, <laughs> fucking ET. Did, did <laughs> you see it? It's somebody. Somebody like like um, superimposed like his hair on ET's face. Oh it was my brilliant. god! Oh man! Oh so man! Funny. Are you you guys down with the pop smoke? 
I I saw this freestyle. I sent yeah. it to you. Yeah, both. no, I saw it. None I of saw you it. watched it. I, I did not. No, no, I I watched it. Um, I think his voice is amazing, and the fact that the crime he has been so far accused of is of transferring a Rolls Royce over state lines. He's like he's gonna be <laughs> a, a legend, flex. dude. Yeah. He's gonna be a legend. That's that's a flex. Um, I. I can't decide if I like his voice or it's pure comedy. And it might it might just be a little bit of both. There's a cartoon character that I'm going for here that I can't I can't quite put my finger on. And right. when I do, then I'll never listen to his music. So maybe I shouldn't. You guys got to tune in next yeah. week yeah. when we uh, yeah. figure out the cartoon Jamon's character. going to watch cartoons for two more weeks. <laughs> yeah. There's a Hanna-Barbera Pop Smoke okay. character somewhere. Okay. I can't funny. figure it out yet. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I think he's fascinating. I haven't found the song that really, like, draws me to him as a musical artist but i think his voice is crazy and like he's clearly heading. he's on his way he's on his way he's, he's definitely he's on really his way. important to the genre yeah. right now whatever's happening with him is kind of where things are going so I'm, I'm i'm keeping an eye on him and then there's another i want to say there's another dude with pop in his name i'm just an old guy trying to sort these things out Iggy. Um, damn <laughs> <laughs> nice oh, never man. heard of that guy yeah <laughs> that's dave's other t-shirt um <laughs> So we're we're here. It is Monday, President's Day, Thursday, and you, the time continuum for you guys. Um, and we're you know, we have a we have one of these mixed bag shows. I like I like when we have a little trail mix. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, We've yeah. got some raisins. We got some. We got bases some, covered. All, all of them. All of them. Throw uh, a pistachio. Just surprise them. You know what I mean? <laughs> that would be fucked up. In in trail mix, if you just came across a straight oh, shell man. pistachio. <laughs> Like, now I'm on a trail and I have to litter? <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Thanks a lot, Trader Joe. Oh, man. Um, is is candy really part of trail mix, though? Once you get to the candy the level. good ones. Right? I know, yeah, huh? Yeah. Throw an M&M? Yeah, I'll fuck with a little peanut butter cup in those. Oh, shows, yeah, dude, definitely. Um, a, a little, like, chocolate drop is a good, I think, a good balance. At what yeah. point it, does it stop? being trail mix at what point of candy right. how many nuts like what's the nut <laughs> yeah what is, what is the <laughs> what is the nut ratio when it stops when being... do we go from trail mix to fail mix <laughs> nice. damn there's a dj joke i can't nobody, quite get nobody likes when dj Khaled makes the trail mix oh, no oh. Like, all of mine are fail mixes <laughs> uh, uh, i actually i actually did a thing um we we are gonna you're gonna hear later on this show that we haven't been to a rap show in forever. And I actually don't go to the movies that often, but you guys know I was trying to go see Parasite. Mm. I made plans to do it. Friend and I went, and I'm from another era because you have to buy the tickets ahead of time. So we got they there. They wouldn't let you buy them? No, no, no. I just didn't buy them. Okay. I'm just like, meet me at the movies. We'll get the tickets, right. blah, blah, blah. But when you show up to the movie an hour early, all the shits are gone. Like, right, it's reserved right, seating right, now, right? right? right, right. So now yeah. we're in the, like, what the fuck are we going to see? So... There were two seats available for one of the most classic movies in the history of film, Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> wow, is it good? <laughs> it is so entertainingly bad. It is, I mean, but like... It got pretty, like, I wouldn't say like critical reviews, but like the, the discourse about it was like, wow, this wasn't as bad as we right, thought. Right, right. What the fuck happened to Martin Lawrence? Martin Lawrence, <laughs> dude, he is slurring so bad in every scene. Because in the first scene, they are at a bar, and I'm like, okay, okay, he's really doing that well. He really this seems where, like he's this drunk. This is where they found him. <laughs> yeah. Man, it, for the rest of it, he's like, God damn it. You're like, bro, are you, did you have a stroke? Like, what the fuck Jesus. happened? Um, there's this movie that came out last year. I'm not sure if any of you guys saw it. It's the Harmony Corinne movie. It's called The Beach Bum. 
uh, anyone, not. anyone, Snoop mm. Dogg is in it. Oh, it's uh. kind of based on the mythology of Jimmy Buffett songs. Jimmy Buffett is also uh. in it. Matthew McConaughey plays like this, like kind of like stone drunk poet, like mal, like I feel so good about well Bad Boys for Life. Right <laughs> Fascinating movie. Okay, uh, it's actually funny. the The only thing I've ever noticed about it is no, no, like I follow a lot of like hashtag film twitter people and a lot of music writers the only people i ever see talk about this are music writers but martin lawrence is in it for a minute he really? play, he plays a tour guide on like a janky like florida keys like dolphin spotting boat tour thing Funny. he's like captain something okay he's Whoa. great in it oh yeah. he's in, it's almost like a cameo and he really like brightens up the movie when he's in mm. it and he's believable as this like downtrodden mm. yeah eccentric yeah i loved martin lawrence when i was a kid same, his, same, uh, same, his same. like comedy routines on tape the show the show like, totally. i just thought i loved martin so it's very interesting to see his like i get we're like in second third fourth act right now right. yeah right yeah for, like what he where, where he has gone essentially a, a well-placed cameo will totally kill it you totally know what I mean? yeah. yeah it's funny yeah. i love that show martin but um you know he's, he's put on some weight and it's funny i remember mm-hmm. in the show he would he would play a character and he'd he, wear yes, a fat suit, yes and now he's that character oh bro just saying it's it, big big mama <laughs> yeah it's it it was it was surreal you were kind of like is that like one and a half martins like what the fuck's going right. on right. um will smith it's like it's he's into that phase of his career that i think denzel went into where he's like a caricature of a caricature mm-hmm. he plays himself a, playing himself right. it is he's so, so far back around he's a character again oh my god it, it was it was so enjoyable my friend and i were so obnoxiously laughing that the lady next to us left <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you go to the movies in mountain view i'm like are you mad that we're ruining bad voice for life for you with like, laughing which yeah. is the wow. appropriate response wow. to when, this comedic film when dj khaled is getting beat up in a scene i have to laugh at that <laughs> of course yeah so um completely fucking ridiculous over the top i have not seen a cop movie or a movie with multiple explosions in a really long time <laughs> um but yeah surprisingly surprisingly entertaining i get a boner for miami in general mm. so just being able to like look yeah. at good image good, yeah. <laughs> thanks for the visual yeah. some miami heat for us <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with the keys. Um, <laughs> so, so they yeah. Open so, doors. Um, yeah. So, so w- a, a little plug. This is just riffing off what you said. It has nothing to do with it. They put all the Police Academy movies on Netflix. Hello. I'm averaging about one a weekend. <laughs> it's like, okay, we, we need to watch one more thing before we go to bed. I'll just fall asleep to this and then I'm wide awake. Like, That's hilarious. Just okay, so, so nostalgic, tell, dude. Tell me this. Wide awake at the Blue Oyster. <laughs> you know how that. Dude. You know what I'm Whoa. talking about. It's a big part of it. Right, it's like right. in every one. And they play Bro. the same music every time. They're it's ballroom so dancing. It's hilarious. Oh. It's so out of date. It's it's so, yeah. I was about to say, how how <laughs> how has that kind of like, a, like you couldn't do Police Academy today, right? Well, you could, but it would just, like you can't do any of the like virulently racist totally. or sexist totally. jokes. Like you could yeah. make a movie about. It'd be like, like 12 minutes. You know, like uh eclectic people who go to the police academy but it would be a very different film. very different film <laughs> no than, bobcat uh, is what you're saying yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he shows up in the second one you're just like what 
is going on. It's the eighties, the eighties were wild as fuck. Oh, man. totally. Yeah, totally. for for movies like everyone's shit that a happened. type. It's like if you're a, oh an African American person, you're like yeah. the most African American person. Totally. If you're totally. gay, yeah. you're the most oh, gay. Man. Like if, if you're, you're like the Asian guy, a nerd Jesus. dude, you don't want to be the. Asian I know. Guy. I know. There were like three bad I, news for them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't in the eighties. I know. Yeah, right. Yeah. See, crazy. Representation is important, people. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. The 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 nerd guy who gets his um. Uh, lamp store busted up by the gang in the second one. It's just like, <laughs> oh man, it's crazy how nerdy he is. Anyway, yeah, it's, those it's, are fun. You should watch them. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's really interesting to see because like you have like Revenge of the Nerds. I think right, it's another right. in that kind of canon. Porky's. It's kind of like when the writers' room was ninety eight point nine percent white guys. Oh, totally, like, totally, totally, it's totally. every fantasy that every white guy ever had right. has lived out through the eighties. It's like all they came through the Harvard Harvard Lampoon and stuff, and they ended up writing the stupidest <laughs> movies totally. in the history of totally. the world. All it's funded, like, all green lighted, totally. all huge parts of my childhood. Yeah. Wow. Okay. There's always a, there's always one explosion, which is what made yep. like they could afford one explosion. There's always boobs. <laughs> right. There's always like, boobs. and then there's like a lot of like sight gags. Like yep. a lot of like embarrassing of the like authority figure yep, yep, with yep. some yep. kind of sight gag. It's just like I, I, I we basically could write a police academy right now. <laughs> we right. wrote it when we were ten. I yeah, mean, totally. pretty much. <laughs> police Academy nine is gonna be our next project. Gutenberg smirks. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> Gutenberg. Oh, Holy. man, that's right. And, and th- there's like this cachet of, of actors from that time that could have never worked in any oh, other right. era. Like the 80s had the weirdest kind of like, yeah, it's it, w- it was an amazing it's time. Like a kind of doughy, charming. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I, we were watching the movie and I turned to my wife on the couch and I'm like, they really don't like it when Mahoney has that like uh, smarmy attitude. <laughs> Mahoney, that's the, whole, that's the whole movie, dude. Yeah, it's like the, the, the captain gets really mad when he has that like "I'm better than you" look oh on his face. Oh my god! Uh, let's yeah. play a prank. Right, we are wildly off topic here. Oh, dude. When we land on Police Academy, where <laughs> else can <laughs> we go? I, I I left. I left. Speaking of police movies, to bring it back, I left Bad Boys for Life going. I can see why white people think cops aren't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> like these guys. <laughs> I'm like, hilarious. if that was your, your exposure to, to cop culture, then that's my that house gets true. robbed. I'm calling fat Martin. <laughs> Everyone likes Will Smith. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Ab- absolutely. No, it's, it's a, it's, it's an amazing piece of film and, I'm gonna see fucking Parasite. Some every time I'm about to see Parasite, something weird happens. You'll but... be able to stream it very soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we watched because we're kind of reading those lists of like if you enjoyed Parasite, watch these movies. Oh, uh, you watch Train it? to Busan. Oh, Have you guys so seen it? good. It's on Netflix. Wait, I love it. Have you seen it? Yeah, we just watched it. Okay, yesterday. so good. I'm like, okay. I loved it. So good. Yeah, it's okay. on uh, Netflix. It's okay. a zombie movie. It mostly takes place on a train, which I don't know what was up with these Korean directors and trains. It came out the same year as Snowpiercer. Yeah. Anyway, both great movies. You okay. should definitely watch that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. That's a real film recommendation, not not Police Academy <laughs> 2. <laughs> or Bad Boys. Or Bad Boys for Life. Um, Police Academy Busan. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, – there's a Duarte joke in there I'm not going to make. Um, so – so we we give you a lot of things here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Interviews with quirky, eccentric, but excellent rappers like Fat Tony. Exactly. Absolutely. Ding, ding, ding. Banter yeah. segments with up and coming young hip hop writers from Chicago. We got you. Yeah. It's Ma- all here, guys. Fat Martin Lawrence jokes. <laughs> yeah. We, we spanned the full gambit. Uh, we had the good fortune of doing an interview with a rapper who's been around long enough to where I don't want to call him up and coming. Right. Um, but has definitely shown up in a lot of places, has a new album coming out called Wake Up. 
Uh, he goes by the name of Fat Tony, although he's not fat. Um, <laughs> I'm irritated by that. And uh, he had a great reasoning, though. No, as, no, no. As you'll hear. Yeah, yes, as you'll totally. hear. As you'll hear. Little tease there. So we had a chance to chop it up with him about his his new record, as well as his favorite drinks and all kinds of things. So he was awesome. He was yeah. so cool, man. Yeah, I would cool. like. We yeah. we definitely need to hang out. Totally. <laughs> that was one of those like, okay, hang up the phone. <laughs> like, we need to do this in person, yeah. which yeah. only happens on one fourth of the interviews. So <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, we were fortunate to have uh, Houston's own Fat Tony on the line, and here is said interview. All right, Dad Bod Rap Pod, we are back interviewing the most influential voices in the culture. Today is no different. We have on the line the pride of Houston, Texas, Fat Tony. How's it going, man? What's up, man? It's going great. I literally just left the grocery store, okay. bought some snacks for my fat ass. <laughs> I just poured up a little bit of mezcal. So I'm okay. going to chill nice. with y'all, man. Okay. Awesome. Awesome, shout shout out to you for drinking lighter fluid. Um. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. It's my favorite. It's honestly, it's my favorite liquor in the world. Really? After, like, I turned on to it a few years ago Okay, when I was living out in Mexico City. Okay. It's pretty much become my go-to. That's your go-to. It just tastes good, and there's so many varieties of it. It's kind of like, you know, I, I never really got how people were so geeked on, like, different wines and different beers and stuff. But now that I'm rocking with this mezcal shit, I okay. totally get it. Yeah. Uh, where are you on smoke content? Like, is the smokiness the the main thing for you, or is it like you like the, something that's more of the agave and less of the smoke? Yeah. So the one that I love is the most common one. It's the espadine. Okay. It's yep. the it's the like lightest one. Yeah. That's the one that I stock in my house because it goes down easy. The one I get has like hints of fruit and shit in it. It's just really nice. nice. But if, if I'm out at a bar or something, I always ask the bartender, what's the funkiest <laughs> mezcal you have? Totally. Like I want something that tastes really earthy. You know, just like something that just tastes kind of like far, far out. Totally. And I, yeah. love I feel like those are usually the ones that they're like, oh, this is what we like to show people that regularly drink it so i guess i'm geeked up and we have a little exchange this is fun okay. okay i love that and like when i'll do like especially in the summer cocktails with it i really like to use like the citrus rind and like uh um, that, that like zest essence to like really ramp up the bitterness to offset the smoke try it like Hell put yeah. a whole lime through a juicer like including oh, the shit. rind. yeah it's fascinating Uh oh yeah I like how, man, I gotta I, come to the bay, man. I gotta yeah. come to the bay and rock with y'all nerds. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Absolutely. it's it's hilarious because uh, Nate's not actually the bartender in our group. That's, <laughs> he's just he's just like a semi pro, but he's given <laughs> given some real game. So I, I want to get into this. I'm glad you mentioned this. Um, your name is Fat Tony. Um, here at the yeah. Dad Bod Rap Pod, we take body image very seriously. <laughs> you not fat, man. Where where does the name come from? Is it is it a reference to the Simpsons? As Nate was bringing up, it is. It is. Oh, okay. it's, oh, it's a bit. I will say this. It's it's a bit of a few different things. 
Now, the main story is that when I was in middle school, which was in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. my favorite band was Blink-182 because I was a child, okay. right? Okay. And Blink-182 got on MTV's TRL to promote their latest album, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and they held a contest where they were going to let an up-and-coming band come and visit them in their studio, and the band that won was this pop punk band named Fat Tony. That's from like Pennsylvania or something, right? And I remember being like a diehard Simpsons fan and looking at that and thinking, wow, I've never seen somebody use the Fat Tony name somewhere else that's really cool. So the next day at school, I'm just doodling on my notebook and I'm just writing Fat Tony and like some cool letters like a middle school kid does, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, my friend next to me was like, oh, so is that your like rap name now? Because we're all starting to to think of ourselves as rappers and we Mm -hmm. need names. And I was just like, yo, I'll roll with it. Yeah. So I used that name. I tried a few other names, but that was the only one that really stuck. And then as I got older, I started thinking about where I come from. And in Houston, you've had all these great artists like, Big Mo and Fat Pat and Big Pokey. Mm. And you don't really see that that much these days. They're they're like really shunning the fat rappers these days. It's kind of fucked up. Joe and Trevor are the only ones left. And I feel like, (laughs) yeah. And I feel like going by Fat Tony is a way to pay homage to my city and to my obsession with Blink-182 and to The <laughs> Simpsons all at once. It's just a nice glimpse into it, who the it fuck I It brings it all together. That, that, that is dope. Uh, when we're, we're glad to have Nate's hunch affirmed. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much what this podcast is turning into. It's like, here's this thing I've been thinking about for years. Your yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've actually this. heard y'all <laughs> ask mad people just some random gossip or like trivia and they're like yes. nah actually it's yeah, not like it's that not at that. all <laughs> <laughs> we'll accept that as well if we have to um so pat tony new album um yes just a, a week or two for people to kind of sit with it marinate with it like tell tell us about it what was the vision for it and like what what is this bringing to your career and your discography so this album wake up it's my first album with this label, Car Park. I just started mm-hmm. working with them. They're based in D.C. They have other acts like Tori Moi, and they've had Beats House, and Dan Deacon, and Speedy Ortiz, and a lot of great, interesting acts with different sounds, right? Right. And I finished this album before I started working with them because I really wanted to rock with them on this um, upcoming album I'm going to put out later this year. But I had just so happened, it just so happened I finished this Wake Up album at the same time, and I planned to just put it out myself. But they were interested in it too. So we decided to put both albums out with Car Park. Okay. And this album is my first full length that's produced by my friend Tay Dex, okay. who's an LA-based producer. He's worked on some of my music before, most notably my, my song Swerving. And, you know, he is just one of those guys that I met in the most industry way possible. Like his manager linked me with him in just a random studio. And we really hit it off in a way that doesn't happen all the time when I go to those type of sessions. Like Mm. when I lived in LA, the thing to do is to meet up with a total stranger that's a writer or a producer and just see what y'all can cook up. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, a lot of those sessions are just kind of boring. Like Mm. 
we're just not on the same page vibe wise, taste wise, any of that. But with Taylor, he was one guy who, as soon as I, I met him, we just talked and talked and talked and talked about music and everything but music. And then when we started to work together, it sounded cool and it just felt right. Like, you know, it's hard for me to do a project with anybody if we don't see eye to eye or just like each other. Like so many people, so many people view music, especially rap, because it's so much about collaborating. So many people view this shit as just like, oh, I'm trying to hook up with whoever's hot and mm. so-and-so said they're cool and I'm going to just rock with them and we can have a very like fair weather connection. That never works with me. Like mm. I'm just not the kind of person that can phone in shit. You know what I mean? And I think Taylor's the same way. And we, we started working on this record maybe like early 2018. Taylor came over to my house and we're just going through beats, just like kicking it. And I find a meme. I find a meme of Bishop T.D. Jakes. And he's telling his congregation to wake up. And he's screaming his fucking head off. <laughs> the the freaking rolls in the back of his neck are just folding up. He is sweating like crazy. And at first I was like, Yo, this is pretty funny. You know, he's like screaming like, like he's in a punk band or something, right? <laughs> right but... and, and then I kept watching it over and over and over. And then I made like a Jersey club mix sampling it just to fuck around and like ignore my girlfriend. But then I was thinking about what he was saying. And, and I was like, yo, what he's saying is actually kind of deep. He was telling his congregation to wake up and stop crying, stop worrying, stop fretting. Like mm. basically just because you're going through a hard time, don't let that hard time take over your whole life and mm. take you away from other parts of your life that might be, good for you like your work or your family or your faith or your friends or whatever it might be right mm -hmm. and um by the way i'm i never follow td jakes doing anything i'm not like <laughs> i don't go to church it or anything like that, by the way just uh, for context just it was listening. totally td td jakes crossed over to uh secular twitter with his meat yeah. you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and i was just showing that meme to him and i just thought what he said in it was so powerful that that was kind of the genesis of this album. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we even sample this on the title track, Wake Up. And I just tried to keep that in mind every time we did a session. And I wanted to make an album where throughout the album's lyrics, I could hint at things to uplift people mm -hmm. or push that positivity in people, but also have a good time doing it. You know, I feel like so many people feel like if they want to speak out against something or be an activist or, or, or just fight for what's fair, they feel like it has to be a life of burden and a life of mm. anger and sadness and despair. And I feel like you can fight for what the hell is right and be yourself and fight for your own health and be positive and have a good time doing it too. It's you know, so it doesn't have to yeah. be about preaching or fucking like, you know, being angry all the damn time. That's just not the kind of person I am. I think a lot of my favorite artists are able to blend that too. Even a group like Public Enemy, who can yeah. be seen as super serious. Yeah, they man. have mass songs where they shit is cut that where they say shit is kind of funny too. You know, yes. right, right. Definitely. Right. Yeah. 
I think that we're all dealing with an anger level and a desire to be, I'll use the term woke, and that's not exactly what you're saying, but like um, if we have to be alert kind of to all the bad news that's yeah. happening. And so what you're saying is resonating with me. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about it kind of concurrently while I'm trying to make my point here, but um, the album is very bright. Like it has a lot of bright texture, it has a bright cover. It's mm. like, um, I, I wasn't getting necessarily what you're saying. This is why it's a big privilege to get to talk to people about their art. It's like, oh, that's how you saw it. That's not necessarily how I saw it, but I did, I did catch um, kind of a bright and fun, um, aspect of it. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, I wanted to talk yeah. about something you mentioned a little bit earlier, and it has something to do with something we're talking about internally right now. How do you feel about being a rapper on what I would call a rock label? And like, do you think that matters anymore? To me, it doesn't matter and it never has, but it doesn't I don't think everybody feels that way, unfortunately. Like, mm. even as recently as a few days ago, I had someone on the PR side of things tell me that they went to speak to someone about me and they felt like I was too, quote unquote, indie for a hip hop publication and too, quote unquote, hip hop for an indie publication. Mm. And I think that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. I've always been interested in artists that had a mix of taste, whether it was in their personal taste or in their music or in the artists that they associated themselves right. with. You know, I always liked the mix of like Beastie Boys and Fishbone or stuff right. Prince would right. do, or even on a screw tape, you'll find Houston rappers on it, Bay rappers on it. You'll find a Genesis song. You'll find a Steel Pulse song, a Sade song. Like, I just wasn't raised to think that it was weird for genres to mix. Mm -hmm. And it really still blows my mind when I encounter people that want to point that out. Because to me, I look past what the genre is. I'm looking more at the quality of music on the label. and. Right. And just how the artists on the label think. Mm -hmm. Like I'm proud to be label made to a Speedy Ortiz and Tori Moi. Mm -hmm. I don't just like their music. I like the way they think. I like the shit they say in interviews. I like the right. stuff they say on their social media. Like we have even the people behind the scenes, the the label owner, the the AR, like in meeting with these people, I fell in love with who they are and how they think. And that's why I choose to be on car park so mm. so let, let me ask you this kind of riffing off of nate's question do you feel like as a as a black artist you kind of get put into a little bit narrower box because you talked about this idea of being too indie for hip-hop and too hip-hop for indie but there are white artists that transcend those lines pretty seamlessly do you feel is that something you is that uh something that you feel you encounter in your in your travels through the industry I think that I don't encounter it as much as other artists might. Mm. Maybe just because it's not said to my face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think it's definitely part of it. I mean, living in the U.S., everything is racialized. Sure. So, of course, music and the arts will be, too. And, of course, there are people like, like I remember once I had my homeboy DJ for me, Ill Fated. And he is half Latino but it's white passing. Mm. And I remember this this uh, kid came up to us at our show and was like, oh man, it's so cool. 
you have a white DJ and it's like a white guy and a black guy. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is this is nothing new or revolutionary or right. interesting or anything to right. write home about. Right. But you got to keep in mind there are people out there that think like that. Now, when it comes to who I am and what I make and how I run my shit, that can never be an influence on, on me. Like that can't taint what I do. I can't let that seep into how I do my thing. Yeah. But it's on my mind when, when I, when I encounter people, but you know what, honestly, I'm always looking for people that feel like me, that feel like that is stupid or just uninteresting, you know? Word. Hey, Tony, I, I got a question to ask you. I, um, you know, you mentioned living in uh, Mexico City and, and L.A. and working with um, a label in D.C., but I first heard of you um, from that track BKNY. Um, oh, you, wow. Can you talk a little bit about that? I thought you were from New York. I didn't even know about your Houston roots. Um, talk about the making of the track and the video as well. Um, it's a big favorite. Sure. So I was born and raised in Third Ward, Houston, same neighborhood as Big Mo and, and and Beyonce and Carl Hampton and a lot of great, really important people. But when I first started making music, I first made music with my longtime producer, Goldeneye, who used to go by the name Tom Cruise, C-R-U-Z. His, his uh, real name's Shaka, right? And he was from Atlanta, but he moved to New York while we were getting to know each other. So I started to come up here to work with him and to play shows. And I feel like I really just started to get my feet wet in an industry way by coming to New York. Like I got my start in Houston, but coming up to New York is the first time where I met agents and managers and got written about and just really learned more about the business. So I always view Brooklyn as my musical birthplace or a, or a foundation of who I am, because this is where I came to get my first record deal, to really learn what it means to make music and make money from music and make that your life and your business and your career. Mm. And that BKNY song, we made that for my album, Smart Ass Black Boy, mm -hmm. which was an album we put out with a short-lived label called Young One Records. It was a subsidiary of Partisan Records, another indie label. And me and Shaka actually moved to Los Angeles to make that record. That was the first time that I lived on my own outside of my parents' house. I was 23. And I think when we were making that album, we had all these fond memories of Brooklyn and all the parties we'd go to and all the things that we experienced, especially for him, because he lived in Brooklyn longer than I ever did, you know? And we were on YouTube late one night, like super late, just high as shit, smoking <laughs> drove, you know? And we found this Ethiopian song that was basically a loop. And we were just like, we were in a trance listening to it. And we sampled that track mm. and we just thought, you know what, let's just make a song that's like a love letter to Brooklyn and all the customs and cultural things here that we learned about when we came to Brooklyn and a bit of our experiences too. And what I'm saying on the song is just total fantasy. I'm just imagining myself like, what if I was a young, hot playboy rapper living in Brooklyn and, 
and I'm and I'm gonna hook up with this hot journalist. And you know, it was it was just mm-hmm. us having fun, just thinking about this place that we kind of miss because we're so far away from it for the first time in a, mm. a while. I think a lot of people's fantasy of Brooklyn is kind of. Uh... And I don't know if this is like fraught territory or if you don't want to talk about this, just let me know. But um, is kind of tied up in the culture around Vice. And I watched a little bit of the yeah. the short-lived show, the the kind of sketch comedy that you were doing. It was in particular like a House Hunters spoof with Zach Fox. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vice Live. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that experience? And like, um, do you have further aspirations in comedy or film or like um is it a big part of your life still or are you like just like focused on your music and that was a short-lived kind of part of your life that was definitely like something that came out of nowhere and i got that show because of my super deluxe show thrift hall Mm -hmm. the folks at vice saw thrift hall and thought it was really cool and thought i'd make an interesting host and i love doing thrift thrift hall which is basically like like a fun game show where comedians and artists and musicians and actors and just anybody that's interesting can just come on and just have a good time with a low stakes game. That's really for fun. You know, now the vice live show was way different than that. (laughs) It was way less fun and way more just like grueling hours and hard work, although it paid well. Right. It just it just was the kind of show that just really never got off the ground because there were so many problems behind the scenes. Like there were problems with our lack of writers. There were problems with some of the producers on the show. Like it was just weird. It was one it it was the kind of project where all of the hosts and some of the staff were on the same page. But the majority of everybody involved didn't seem to have an idea of who we are and how we think mm. and we just all just disagreed on what this show could be mm. and we just never got it right before the show ended mm. but far as future stuff i definitely want to do more in tv film i love working with comedians you know i don't want to do comedy myself i'm, I'm not trying to be a stand-up enough sure. and that's not my thing i'm i'm a musician yeah mm-hmm. but i love to work with comedians i love to work with actors you know i i want to work on films i want to be in films like that is just another extension of my creativity to me. It's not something that's like shifting gears, you know, it's just another way that I can express myself when I'm not making an album or not making music. Cause I really like to be a project oriented person. Yeah. Like I want to spend time focusing on making an album and then not make music for a while and go do some other stuff where I get to express myself, go and act or DJ or write or just something else that I think is fun. Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Great answer. And I, there is a comedic aspect to some of your music. Like you clearly have timing and like a sense of how to write a comedic line. So I think well, that, I definitely want to have fun right. with it, you know? Yeah. 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 More, maybe it's more that that's, that's certainly uh yeah, you know, so... I'm, a, I'm if if uh, you can't tell, I'm addicted to saying dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very funny way to put it. See, I told you you could write a comedic line. <laughs> Bada boom! I'm just being honest, man. Straight up. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, you you mentioned. I'm glad you you broke down the Tom Cruise thing because in your song Ten Thousand Hours, you talk about moving to LA with Tom Cruise and I'm like <laughs> yes dude I'm like, yes. did he mean Tom you know, Cruise 
I was like, I, I gotta ask. You know what? Is that Tony a Scientologist? <laughs> When I listen back to that song, I'm like talking about him. I'm, I'm talking about my friend Daniel Liner that recorded me on, on ASAP Rocky's tape. And I'm just like, damn, niggas have no idea who the fuck I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> no. More playing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I was kind of like, the I'm talking about. Oh, okay. And I'm, and I'm glad you, you uh, brought up Vice because, you know, in no relation to Vice Live, Vice played a big part in that early 2010 Brooklyn thing. Like yeah. the fact that Brooklyn was such a hot place to be. And there were so many interesting artists coming out of Brooklyn and out of New York as a whole from ASAP Rocky to Mr. Motherfucking X Squire to mm -hmm. Rat King to Das Racist. Like being out in New York during that time was really fascinating for me because it was all these rappers doing shit that was different mm -hmm. either different sounding or different looking than everything that came before it right. and it felt really inspiring to be around these people 24 7 and that's mm -hmm. what drove me to want to come out here more, more more often like i'd come to new york man back in the day i'd come to new york and stay for like two weeks a month two months and i just do it over and over and over again to the point where most of my friends just thought i lived here <laughs> like I like I built up a family of artists and friends out here. That was just really important to me. You know, it, it was just a special time. And I and for better or worse, Vice was a part of that just because they were such a big name and they mm -hmm. sponsored so many, many parties and they paid so many of us to come perform. Mm -hmm. But they were also way more important spaces and organizations here venues like silent barn and 285 kent and those are the real places that i think fostered our community and corporations like vice or pitchfork were just the ones that reported on it and mm. attached themselves to what we were doing as artists mm. that's dope man so we we definitely appreciate you coming on you've been around for a long time and showed up in a lot of places um so you got this album coming out, and then you said you have another one. After yeah. This? <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time I mention that, people are like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> you got a, a new a new album and a new new album. When, so so, wake up is out right now. Um, yeah, then, wake up is out right now. Okay, and then the next one when when is that coming? The next one is going to come out October twenty third on car park nice. it is produced by golden eye formerly known as tom cruise okay and a lot like wake up it is a short album it's nine songs it's, it's about 30 minutes or less um which is something i think is really important for mm -hmm. me right now like i don't want to do a long-winded project that takes you too long to get into mm -hmm. i was just listening to the book of human language oh wow that's a favorite. And part. that yeah. album is so fucking long. It it's is. so good. It's a it's book. like an hour it's like and a half. The encyclopedia long. of human language. <laughs> it's exhausting to listen to. And honestly, by like, by the very end of it, I was just fatigued. And I was yeah. like, I can't do anymore. I got to pause and do something else and, and come back to this album. Well, you can definitely so with my skip project, the acapella uh, slow down version of the Jabberwocky and save yourself 10 minutes. <laughs> you know what? Totally. I actually did 
But um, yeah, That's I want to make projects that people can listen to in one sitting, and if they really like it, they can play it again in, another yeah, yeah. time during the same day yeah. and get more into it. Okay. Dope. Okay. So we we uh, we definitely thank you for coming on. We want to let everyone know you can go peep, wake up right now, and then you'll have a. Another another hot one come Scorpio season. Yeah, big big year for you. Yeah, man. that's this right, man. Yeah, man, congrats. I'm excited too. And and this next one's gonna be a different vibe. You know, okay. it's, it's okay. like next one leans more heavily on storytelling. Okay. Dope. And okay. I and I purposely made these two albums within the same year and wanted to execute differently on each one just to give a different yeah. side of me. And I and I okay. think especially when you come and see me live. And you get to hear both and my past catalog. It's like you get the full fucking experience, you know? That's right. Yeah, sick. All right. Catch Fat Tony on tour. Nothing skinny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you coming on, man. Definitely. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, thanks, um, man. Yeah, really appreciate you reaching out. And uh, we're listening. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the new record and uh, really curious to hear the next one and see how they like speak to each other. Thank you, man. I'm going to definitely come fuck with y'all when I'm in the Bay. Please do. Please do. That'd be great. All right. right. Peace. 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 Peace, All right, we want to thank Fat Tony one more time for coming on the program. Super cool guy, dude. I, I'm gonna say this though, I'm still not on the mezcal train. Now I may it may be because fuck with it. One time that I threw that shit up out of my nose, but <laughs> but that wouldn't help. Yeah, but I yeah I'm gonna give it another chance. I do tend to think it tastes like a barbecue pit. That's but kind of, and but that's kind of the point is right. a an essential flavor and many yeah. things are smoked and uh, you have to balance it. Right. It's like right, in right. crafting the drink. You have right. to take the smokiness into account as a starting point and then build okay. from there. Build right? around there. Yeah. Totally. Okay. In, right. in Mexico, they serve um, or Mexico City. They serve uh, mezcal with this like sh- like shrimp flavored salt. Okay. And wow. okay. That and orange slices. Yeah. Okay. And that's sort so of So you gotta cut it. It's basically yeah. you have to kinda cut the smoke with the Okay. With a couple other bold things and it's brilliant. Or you yeah, can just pop shit. smoke. Oh <laughs> or maybe I don't want the smoke. Um uh thanks again to Fat Tony for, for chopping it up with a super insightful uh cat and you know, wish wish him big things. He's uh, we didn't get to ask him this, but it seems like he moves cities like every three right. years. He's like an totally. NBA totally. journeyman. Like yeah. he's gonna be playing for the Timberwolves next. And he talks but, a little bit about it. So yeah. I mean, it's good to hear of um, you know his, of his travels and yeah, his ascendance. Yeah, and he seems like he's he's got a good trajectory um, and is on a is on a rock label. I'm interested to see how that yeah. turns out. Um, yeah. But yeah, you should definitely check out like Google him. I would say yet yeah, let's listen to his music, but also right Google him. Yeah, that check was... out the. I want to check out the the thrift hall show. I had not, I had not seen that. I had just yeah. seen some of the vice some live of the vice sketches. Stuff, so yeah. I'm gonna definitely YouTube that later. Yeah, it's totally a funny dude. Um, and we now are going to transition into another kind of quasi interview. Sometimes within our universe, some of the writers and commentators of the culture. 
um, just want to kind of come on and hang out, uh, nerd out with us. And this is one of those times we had the good fortune of talking to a Chicago-based writer, Jack Reedy. You might have seen his work in uh, Passion of the Weiss. Um, he is actually young and virile enough to go to hip-hop shows. <laughs> he dares. Yeah, he, he ventures out into real life. And which, lives in a cold place like a real person. Yeah, yeah. This dude is like uh, Bear Gorillas to I us have right to now. say, I have followed Jack's work a little bit because we're both kind of in the Passion of the Weiss cinematic universe, but um, I have to give props where props are due. He has the best Twitter handle. It's uh, Bad Gal Reedy. <laughs> so we, it's like a riff on the okay. Rihanna handle, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. it's so funny if you okay. like look at Jack's picture. It's kind yeah. of it's, it's, the very, it's very funny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, super super cool cat. Chopped it up with us about his experience um, checking out the Chicago end of the Billy Woods tour, right? Uh, which we are really curious to check out, and we have to really draw a line in the sand, guys. If Billy Woods comes to town, we have to, we have to go. go to the show. We to like we we'll have go. to like. What is fully town? What counts as town? San uh, Francisco? Yeah, San Francisco. Yeah. All right. We're not going to Sacramento. If you came to Santa Cruz, <laughs> that would be more convenient oh, oh, for okay. me. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a 50-mile o- radius. Oakland, San Francisco, go or Santa, Santa Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. All right. That All sounds right. good. If he comes, we have to go. We just didn't go to Quelle Chris and Homeboy yeah. Sandman. Yeah. Um, I interviewed Milo before his show, but did not go to the show. <laughs> like that's how close Peak I'll be. Dad, <laughs> I'll be like, I know. I'd like to talk to you about your art and then not witness it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I, I set up the interview so you're really close to the venue. Like you go that way. I'm getting on the freeway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just how it is. Oh, I love this team. Um, so so we got a chance to talk to Jack Reedy about uh about you know. His his experience at the Billy Woods show, including an interesting story about uh, Serengeti's number one fan, <laughs> um, as well as kind of some of the, some of the stuff going on in Chicago and, and some of his writing work. So here is our uh, bro down with Jack Reedy. Dad bod, rap pod. It's another Monday for us, Thursday for you in the podcast world. Um, how you guys doing? It's it's the weather is lightweight, decent. Yeah, man. Is nice. it not fake spring? I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, I'll yeah. Take this Bay Area weather, man. Staring out Nate's window. It's beautiful. Yeah, we are back in in Nate's kitchen. Um, which I must say, every time I come over here. The shit on the counter gets healthier and healthier. I, I swear it's like. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. We're yeah. trying. It's I'm like, this is sprouts on mad there bananas and shit. <laughs> like, this is the whole counter going to be wheatgrass the next time. <laughs> totally. The next time we pull I'm up. just mowing the wheatgrass. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're back in the kitchen for a, a special uh, holiday episode. I'm, I'm sure we'll be back at, at Needle to the Groove uh, before long. But today's episode, we want to bring in. A special guest to our virtual kitchen to uh, chop it up with us. We have on the line uh, writer. You may have seen his work in Passion of the Weiss. We have Jack Reedy. How's it going, man? Hey, y'all. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, gotta say, I'm a little jealous that you're recording from a nice sunny day because <laughs> it is the depths of winter here in Chicago. Ooh. Um, 
that's real winter. Well, give us a temp reading. Where are we? Uh, so today we're 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 on the warmer side. We're in like the the low thirties. You know, <laughs> you know just barely below freezing. Um, okay. Okay. Your your nipples have thawed, but you're kind of like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's about sixty eight, and we're about to put jackets on, but. <laughs> But uh, we're glad that you could join us on the program. We have been in our kind of pre um, the seven minutes of prep we do before these shows. We were thinking about the last time that we made it to a rap show. We know you recently caught um, Billy Woods on tour. We definitely want to pick your brain about that experience. But um, we were coming up with a tremendous fucking blank in terms right. of right. the last time we've seen a rap show which might be odd for someone you know who has done 110-ish podcasts now about rap music <laughs> but um, yeah but before Woods what was the last rap show you've seen or do you get out to the rap shows are you unlike us crusty asses and you actually <laughs> engage with the culture in a live way yeah uh, <laughs> I mean crustiness uh, aside <laughs> or not consistent um, yeah, I try and get out to a lot of shows, man. Okay. Um, it's nice being, you know, in a, in a city that has a, a pretty prominent mm, right. live music scene that, sure. um, you know, I'm, I like to think I have a pretty healthy, like show diet, you know what I'm saying? So mm. like, um, you know, for example, I'm trying to think the most recent show I saw, um, besides Woods was a DIY house show. And then, you know, before that, there's there's arena shows, there's like smaller club shows. And it's like this kind of you, you can kind of see a whole lot of stuff if you keep your ears open within a, a short time period. I mean, Chicago's already had a couple small scale like weekend festivals that take mm -hmm. place in clubs, um, you know, on top of some DIY stuff. And then obviously, like we just had the All Star Weekend and sure. uh, there was like dumb rap shows to see. Yeah, I out on all of them because I'm, <laughs> I'm like a 90 year old man trapped in a in a young man's body but uh you know even just this past weekend it was great that you had all the celebrity attention because there's a lot of homegrown talent and for once uh it was cool that a lot of people that normally don't get to really play in the city got to play some of these bigger more conventional clubs like the metro had this great show yesterday with polo g as like the host mm -hmm. and I think it was like an audio Mac uh, thing that put it on, but you know, it was like a charity concert with like a whole bunch of different rappers, um, including, and I'm like Googling this as I talk to make sure I can uh, get the, get the uh, lineup right. Yeah. You know, so like G Erbo cowboy, mm. uh, birthday, Calvin Polo G was like the, the headliner, uh, Dreezy Tink, um, NLE Chapa was in from out of town. Um, you know, and meanwhile, G Erbo on his own doesn't really get to play shows in these more like uh, corporatized clubs because for CPD. good reason. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, that's funny. So, so yeah. Oh, that's right. You guys just just had an all star weekend, and and shout out to all the children that were conceived this weekend in Chicago. <laughs> uh, I remember the all star game in in Oakland here, and I feel like I walked by people like, "Yep, you're '96 all star." That's when you were born. Um, <laughs> So tell us a little bit about your uh, you were able to catch Billy Woods on tour. Obviously, he had um, an amazing year in 2019, two huge releases. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what the shows were like and kind of how they match up to the album experience? 
Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, as a as a Billy Woods fan, I gotta say uh, I'm like a recent Billy Woods fan. I really caught on with Arm and Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys that I know has been doing his thing for so long um, that you know, depending on who you ask, I'm either really late to the game or I'm still you know right, right. ahead of it. And uh, history will absolve you. trust me i caught on i caught on in 2018 in 2018 i was good Uh, (laughs) but it was great you know the show uh his stage performance was amazing you know he's got you know all the sort of stuff you want out of a out of a live rapper like he he was rapping over his recorded vocals he he his 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 voice sounds just like it does on the Mm. record you know this, this great boom which is awesome and when it came to the set list, it was also great because he really stuck to um, like his last couple of projects. So, you know, mm. it was mostly stuff off of uh, Hidden Places and one of the Arm & Hammer joints and uh, stuff off of Terror Management. So really just stuff mm. in the last couple of years, which was great for me personally, since that's the stuff I know best. Sure. Um, and I got the sense from the crowd, too, that like, it was cool finding out what parts of his songs turned out to be hooks. Um, Fascinating. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. he's not a guy that does that when he writes, really, there's not, you know, he doesn't write songs clearly for people to like, here's the hook. Right. To to be screamed back at him from the stage. Right. Right. But you still, you know, the crowd that was there was, dedicated enough and was like in the zone enough that they clearly knew him well enough to do that kind of thing. So like you'd end up with these little snatches of verses that people had clearly like latched onto. Um, You know, the biggest example would be like, this is just the first line of SpongeBob, the whole operations underwater. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yep. People were bellowing that. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's not like the hook, you know what I mean? It just goes like the world's getting warmer and everyone goes, we go in the other way. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's so that one, cool, man. It, it was cool. Um, he plus, you know, like the SpongeBob, I think, was great too because that that bass part that yeah, opens it. Is cool. Yeah. So it's kind of like everybody knew it was coming, and mm. then when he kicks the verse in with it, oh, it was it was wow. really cool. What wow. is it like to look at someone whose face is blurry? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh man. The, the... So it was in the lead up to it. Um, a lot of the the it was like a really stacked bill with everyone else that was opening was like Chicago artists that I've like been paying attention to previously, including um, the first rapper that was up named Def C like in the lead up to the show, you know, was posting about, Hey, come out to the show. You got to come see it. And like would always follow up with like, and don't remember no pictures, no videos. Right. Oh, wow. Billy Woods. And I think, you know, I think I even retweeted that once. Cause I was like, in case anyone that knows me is going to the show, but they don't know the whole thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then like the next day after the show, like everybody was posting pictures and videos. <laughs> of the performance. Um, <laughs> I was terrified to do that. Cause I didn't want to be, you know, especially like, you know, song number one, when he comes out and people get all excited, I didn't want to be on the receiving end of some sort of. So you, 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 you managed your terror right. is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there was no hiding places. <laughs> oh, well played. Um, so, so we were trying to think of like the last hip hop show we've seen, and it's great that you actually are engaging with the culture in a live in a live way. What was the first hip hop show that you went to that like got you? What was your gateway drug into 
ending up at a Billy Woods show eventually. Mm. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, man, I'd have to think about that. I feel like I was definitely like a little bit late to the game on going to to like I was listening to rap myself for a way longer time than I started going to shows. So I don't think yeah. it was until. I think like the first rap show I definitely like had a ticket other than maybe like a festival set here or there was I saw the Yeezus tour. Oh, mm. wow. That was, that would have been when I was in college. Okay. Which one is and, that? Is that like the Maison Margiela masks or is that, that's not the floating stage, right? That was Pablo. Yeah, that was yeah, Pablo. That what was, was the stage was, setup for Yeezus? So, I mean, it's one of those, like, I'm kind of glad it kicked off that way because it was such a huge arena thing mm-hmm, you know yeah. that they see you know in certain situations and honestly for someone who up until that point had mostly only seen rock shows it was a real like oh i've seen you know roger waters touring the sure, wall I'm about to say yeah like that's that. that's like that's the corollary there yeah, yeah. and yeah. um i mean it was a wild show you know that was the one where he's he's wearing the diamond masks for a whole bunch of the time he uh he's got like multiple layers of like this mountain looking thing that he climbed up um oh yeah he, out and like dapped him up that's crazy (laughs) so (laughs) so it's it's interesting that you say that because that's pretty much the highest end of a rap show that you will ever flipping see and that was like even did he get into the ranty shit was that was like pre-ranty kanye right yeah yeah it was cool too because he was at so this show was at the united center and so (laughs) his rant that he did do like a runaway break where he was okay. kind of like half speaking half crooning through auto-tune but his 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 monologue that day was all focused on uh we never should have let michael jordan play for the wizards and like <laughs> yes yes <That's> awesome <laughs> oh man. man right above him there's you know three four jerseys and all the championship pennants oh. and all the stuff Oh my god! That is hilarious. Oh, that really made me laugh, dude. I have to like turn down all the levels. We all just screamed <laughs> into the microphone. Okay. Uh, wow. That's great. Okay, I do want to go back to the Woods show though because I have this fascination with Serengeti. Um, what okay. is the Serengeti live experience like in 2020? Is he like doing Kenny Dennis or is it like morose, like burnt out? Like, can you just give me some some flavor from in the room? Yeah, like, the Serengeti show was weird, man. Um, (laughs) Like, so he, and it's one of those, like, he's one of those guys where, like, I don't think any of this was a bit, but it also clearly could have been. So, like, he went up on stage and he had not like a, not like a DJ setup or even like a laptop. He had like a video iPod. Okay. Okay. With, like, his backing tracks. And this is something he had mentioned before when I... I had interviewed him once before, and you mentioned, like, that's a lot of his shows nowadays. It's, like, the easiest thing for him. He shows up with his iPod, and he does his songs, and then that's it. You know, it's, like, the it's the easiest way to do a show you can. So right. he then came on, and he said, um, oh, and I can't remember the name of the it, – it's a it's an associate of his uh, who – he said he wasn't there. Um, oh, shoot. I can't remember the guy's name. It was Nick something or Tony. It's, like, not Video Dave. Um but one of the guys that's in with him and Hannibal from like the, the college days, okay. as far as our, um, Oh, Tony trim is the guy's okay. name. Yeah. I've heard him um, mention him before, you know, just like one of his associates, he like, 
deadpanned about how like you know tony trim was supposed to be here for this part and like let the beat continue playing as if <laughs> just sit there and that happened like a couple times so we kept coming back like you know, if only tony was here like we could have done this whole thing um <laughs> and then like the music was really uh, the music that he did was it was it, it was kind of from all over his career. I mean, he did like uh, he did Danny. He probably like with three or four songs left in the set. Interesting. Mm, mm. He did some of the new like Kenny Dennis six E stuff that's really like abrasive yeah. and like brief. Um, but then would like whiplash right into some dance stuff um, <laughs> that he had made, you know, in like 2012. Um, you know, some of the like straight up disco songs he had. Wow. And mm. the, the weirdest part of the whole set was I was standing like kind of in one corner, like close to the stage along one side. There was a woman right in front of me who looked like she was probably in, I don't know, like her, her mid forties. Uh, was it Jules? She, no, <laughs> uh, I don't think she I first got her attention or she first got my attention because she was chastising two like college kids that were standing near me for not dancing more. Wow. Uh, and like making a point about like, like you're young, live it up. Cause she was like doing all these moves to the Serengeti songs and like really rocking out and I'm behind her. So I'm just kind of watching her like go from chastising these kids to back to dancing. <laughs> then she found a dance partner at one point during one of the funkier songs. And they were like, like Johnny and baby, like hip to hip <laughs> at it. And then Serengeti brought like eight people on stage for like one of his last songs. And they were all like rocking out to this sort of like electro dance song together, including the couple that were up front wow. going. Up. She was on stage, like all the whole nine yards. She comes back, the set's over, it seems like she had a great time. I see her leave, not with the dance partner, so it was clearly just like a two ships in the night thing. <laughs> um, and then I found out after the fact from a friend of mine that was there, but in a different spot of the crowd, she had known all the words. So as she was dancing, she wow. was rapping, singing along. So I have wow. no idea who this woman is. I want to know more about her. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening, please contact <laughs> us. We will put you in touch with Jack Reedy. Please, wow, please. wow. Hey Jack, what's what's the general turnout like for these shows and, and the and the audience reaction to when Billy's on stage? Is it raucous? Is it um intense? It was it was very um I kinda it kinda felt like uh like watching a samurai movie. Okay. Like like everybody was very I don't wanna say they were um I don't wanna say they were calm, but it was it was very much like we're gonna watch this guy mm. rap because we know he's really good at it, mm. and like we don't want to get in his way, kind of thing. Interesting. Wow. So, yeah. so it's almost kind of like how uh, Charles Mingus would threaten to beat you up if like you tinkled your drink while he was <laughs> while he was playing. Like it's a kind of Nina Simone was the same way. She's like, don't fucking pick up your glass right now. I'm singing. Um, it was kind of like. Um, I don't want to say that like Woods himself was like demanding of the crowd or anything. Right. It was more like, cause the crowd would still get into like certain parts of the songs. Right. But like, because there weren't really hooks to gather around, you, to you would like yell the part you knew and then you would quiet back down. So you didn't miss anything, you right. know? Wow. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Fucking fascinating. Yeah. So, and so it was cool. It was, I don't think like, I don't think the show sold out, you know, it was mm -hmm. a subterranean's like a mid-sized club. I don't think it was like, packed to the gills but it was a you know it was a wednesday night and it was crowded 
You know what I mean? Awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah, it was cool. We're just, you know, we, we really like Woods. We've had the chance to talk to him a couple times. If we went through the whole, like, nine yards to bring him out to San Jose, it would be us and the three people we could convince <laughs> to come out. Like, San Jose does not have a thriving local music scene in and of itself. But if he played San Francisco or Oakland, I think he would draw. But we're just, we're just kind of waiting for them to come to the West Coast and do a full tour. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Um, appreciate you sharing your perspective, but um, tell us a little bit about um, your writing and like what what publications you've been dealing with lately, and like do you have anything cooking or any kind of articles you want to promote, or even if a past one you feel like maybe got missed and you want to promote? I can plug some stuff for sure. Yeah. I will say one thing uh, as far as like the local scene stuff. One thing that I really liked about the show too is I saw a lot of other musicians there, like. Right. Like the openers were there, but then, you know, like other rappers that I recognize, you know, were just like just there to see the show. You know, like there was a footwork producer I really like named DJ Tay was there, um, you know, so like. I, Damone loves DJ Tay. <laughs> Love DJ Tay. That's dope. It's like the um, it, it's, it's almost like certifying, you know, like, oh, cool. Like not only do I like this artist, but other people who make good music. Right. Right. Sense, sense of validation for sure. Yeah. And it felt like, it felt like everybody knew it was kind of an event that Woods was even, you know, playing the show. Cause he doesn't do the widespread tours, you know, right. totally. he's not yet. I hope. Yes. We, I wonder if it can get there or if he has the, the kind of like desire to tour that hard or if it's more just about making music but right. uh well i'm interested to see yeah well you know uh, back, back to nate's point though um what are you working on writing wise uh, anything you're excited about that you could plug and sort of share with us yeah totally um so one of the i got the story coming out in april um with Bandcamp, but um one of the openers at that wood show actually was this group called free snacks um there's really good uh chicago rap duo like self-produced totally indie um very good like the first album was very sort of like mad lib and doom and earl kind of like stonery stuff and then their new album from this past fall is like they very deliberately went in the line of like we're gonna make bangers that are like really fun live and so there's 808s and shouting and they're super good um they're part of this like this like intersecting group of these four dudes uh, called Y records. Um, And so it's one of those things where it it kind of feels like watching something like odd future a decade ago, just Mm -hmm. like downward. There's four people in the group. Three of them are also producers. Uh, There's two duos mixed in there. Uh, One guy is in both of the duos and then sometimes they produce for each other. And then their collective is friends with another record label and sometimes joins, you know, like it's just this, this intersecting thing. So Mm. um, I'm doing this story for Bandcamp where I started, it's like a, I forget the term they're using for it, but like a, an introduction to this label of, you know, indie rap that's been very DIY for the past like year or so since they launched. So, so that'll be really fun to like, talk through all their stuff and and uh get some more background on them because i've been following them for a long time and it great seems like from an outsider's perspective it would be kind of impenetrable like who's who and all the like co-signing and like producing for each other <laughs> like i'll just yeah. say i love rap i try to follow as much of it as i can i'm not going to unravel all that on my own i need to be guided right <laughs> yeah yeah and it'll be um it's cool like uh that's part of what's been fun about it is like having paid attention to their stuff for a long enough time to know like like you recognize people when you go to their shows and you're like oh you're the featured guy on that song you're just not gonna play 
uh, you know, like stuff like that. Um, so that's coming up. I'm really excited about that. They're like a cool group. And it's one of those, like, you know, I think they did six albums in a year and they're doing wow. another like four or five, you know, of various permutations. Right. Um, which is cool. Um, the other big like uh, hip hop adjacent thing that I was just a part of that I was really excited about. Uh, I write a lot for the Chicago Reader, which is um, like one of the last alt weeklies. About to standing. Say, is that an alt weekly? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, shit. Uh, read about one of those. <laughs> it's uh, it's cool. I really I joined on about like uh, a year ago with them was when I did my first story, and then they really it's been cool. I don't know enough about the behind the scenes stuff, um, but they've like they're transitioning to being a nonprofit and they started taking mm. like membership dues and they're like for now i think doing pretty sustainably well so um yeah it's like a very exciting thing especially having watched like so many different you know the village voice and la weekly mm-hmm. and all these other publications oh, of course it's like a little bit of a bright spot um all things considered so um that's really exciting. But what they did for the first time was a critics poll of the best albums of the 2010s, mm. which was really cool. So it was all Chicago, like critics and journalists pitching in for their top 10 Chicago albums of the decade. And they did this cool thing. Again, it doesn't make it very user friendly, uh, which I'll definitely acknowledge, but they included everything, everything that someone submitted, they included. So it's wow. like you submitted a top 10, but the final list is like 300 something albums. Ooh. Wow. So it's a little, um, it's not the most like scroll through on the cycle <laughs> You know, it's like definitely something I'm going to go back to a lot. But yeah. Um, yeah. It was what was cool the to be- top album and why was it my beautiful dark twisted fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was one of those two, like they also didn't write up all of them because they were like, okay, some of these we don't really need to say another 100 words right, on. Right. Yeah. You know, it's definitely a case of some popularity floating to the top. But um, I think a lot of the stuff that was like already well known and included is like kind of deservedly so, you know, like, yeah, Jamila Woods, two albums in the top 10. Fine. That makes sense. You right. know, um, and that was cool. It was fun just to like be a part of it and like dig through everybody's ballots afterwards and see like what albums I'd never heard of or oh, some sure. stuff that was included sort of with asterisks um and then i got to write about, um, dj rashad's double cup which oh was yes mm. i think five yes. on the list um okay. yeah which was cool so it was fun too that's one that like you know i've been listening to it since it came out never obviously had like a reason to to say something about it so it was cool to kind of do a little thing for posterity you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely you know, leg- legendary release um Jack, we really want to thank you for coming on the show, um, chopping it up with us. We need Absolutely. real human beings that still go to hip hop shows. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for uh, keeping the tradition alive, letting us live vicariously. Yeah, yeah for through, a minute. through your experiences, live stream it for us next time. <laughs> and, uh, Just put your phone right in Wood's face. Yeah, yeah I want to yeah. see that lady. I want to see the Serengeti lady. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we thank you for coming on the program, man, and, and definitely circle back with us when you've you've got new work coming out, man. Yeah, absolutely, we'll do. And if you guys uh, if you guys ever end up in Chicago, uh, you know, keep your evenings free, and I'll take you guys to a to a show. I'll find something for you. Hell Sounds yeah. like a there plan. It is. Hell yeah! Thanks, Thanks man. Bud. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. See right, you guys. Check. We should have never ever let Michael Jordan play for the Wizards. We should have. 